Today's podcast was originally prepared for the 21st of October, 2022. It is still podcast 815, but it's being released on the 20th of January, 2023. It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 815 for the 21st of October, 2022. This week, two-factor authentication isn't yet the new normal, but it should be. Some businesses that should provide better security for their customers are lagging, and many users seem more interested in saving a few seconds than in securing their finances. This must change. In short circuits, I've described my backup system so often that you may think recovering a file isn't a big deal, and that is true, until it isn't. I'll tell you about the cause of my recent close call. No significant files were at risk or lost, but I did manage to annoy myself. And then I'll explain how I recovered some files and describe the steps I've taken to close a small hole in my backup system. Having an image backup of the boot drive is important, but it's not sufficient if you might need to recover individual files quickly. And 20 years ago, only on the website, today we send and receive email with ease on our smartphones. That could be done in 2002, but it was a lot more difficult. Some people refuse to use two-factor authentication because it takes more time and effort to connect with a website. But avoiding two-factor authentication is a bad way to save time. So maybe two-factor authentication isn't the new normal just yet, but it should be. I've been thinking about this since I read an article by Jack Whalen on Tech Republic. The premise is that two-factor authentication is failing. Although that may well be true, don't let it keep you from using a password manager, two-factor authentication, and any other security options websites offer. The more important a site is, the more important it is to have sufficient security measures in place to protect it. By important, I don't necessarily mean Facebook, although the person who gains access to your Facebook account can do a lot of damage. What I mean is financial websites, your bank, your insurance portal, PayPal, and such. Wallen says that his PayPal account was hacked recently, and it wasn't the first time it had happened, or the second time either. Wallen discovered the problem and acted quickly, but still, if it happened to a guy who knows his way around security, it could happen to me, or to you. I've been lucky so far. A Visa card number was stolen a long time ago, and a crook obtained my American Express card information about two years ago. I noticed the attempted charges, reported them, and the cards were promptly replaced. Like Wallen, I use a password manager. For important accounts, I use very complex passwords such as uppercase X underscore at sign lowercase q open curly braces, question mark, lowercase f, numeral 2, lowercase r, caret, lowercase s, lowercase a, uppercase y, lowercase b, uppercase z, lowercase y, uppercase d, close curly braces. 
That is not one of my actual passwords, but many of them are 18 characters long or longer and contain upper and lower case letters, numbers, and symbols. I also enable two-factor authentication on every account that permits it. When I log into my PayPal account, LastPass provides the username and password, but then PayPal asks for a six-digit number that changes every 30 seconds. I can obtain this number from an authenticator application such as Authy or the Google Authenticator. The number is delivered to me securely via the authenticator and not via an SMS message. The authenticator is a standalone application on the phone, computer, or tablet, not the browser. PayPal includes several security options. Among the most important are the ability to change the password, enable or disable two-factor authentication, and check which devices have successfully logged in. I consider it unimportant to change passwords frequently. Unless you have reason to believe that a password has been compromised, just leave it alone. Some of my passwords have been in use for a decade or more. Using two-factor authentication with an authenticator app is much more important. It's also good to occasionally check which devices have accessed your account recently. If you see one you don't recognize, block it. And that would be a very good time to change your password. The fault Wallen sees with the two-factor authentication process doesn't involve the process itself or password managers or long and complex passwords or authenticator apps. Instead, his complaint is with two-factor authentication procedures that use SMS messaging to deliver the six-digit code. As Wallen puts it, when those two-factor authentication codes are submitted via SMS text, they can be intercepted by the wrong people. If those people already have your username and password, they can quickly log in as you, change the password, and start using your money. If you're still using simple passwords, reusing passwords, not using a password manager, or not taking advantage of two-factor authentication whenever you can, it's time to get up to date. The thieves aren't stupid, and sooner or later somebody will find a way to obtain your username it's probably your email address and readily available. And they'll also find a way to get your password. Without the security of two-factor authentication, your account and your money are in jeopardy. It's long past time for two-factor authentication to be the standard for every account. It's also time for those organizations that use SMS messaging for two-factor authentication to up their game and switch to using an authenticator. Authenticator apps are probably at least one order of magnitude more difficult to defeat. It is true that all security measures make your life slightly more complicated. Slightly. But if taking an extra 10 seconds to acquire and submit a six-digit code from an authenticator to connect to your bank eliminates the pain of having to report stolen credentials, obtain a new credit or debit card, or even deal with identity theft, that seems like an exceptionally good trade-off to me. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you, and so does the cat.
In Short Circuits, recently I wrote about the oh no second. That's the time that elapses after you've done something stupid until you realize you've done something stupid. And that's the starting point for today's story about finding a small hole in my backup system. Before getting to the hole in the backup plan, I have to provide some backstory, because that's where the real stupidity occurred. The hole that it exposed was simply an oversight that had a relatively easy solution. So first, the stupidity. I needed to visit an Ohio deputy registrar and wanted to check the hours of operation and the requirements for the task that I needed to complete. A search for Ohio BMV locations returned a lot of results, and I clicked the one at the top of the list without really noticing that it would not take me to an Ohio.gov site. Instead, I was taken to DMV.com. I plead inattention to details as my only defense. A graphic on the page showed me that I was at DMV in large letters, .com in much smaller letters, and it said, a non-governmental site, in minuscule letters. That's probably enough to keep the site barely legal. And if I'd been really paying attention, it raised a lot of red flags. Nothing bad would have happened if I had followed my normal procedure, though, when the site displayed a message saying, www.dmv.com wants to show notifications. I always, 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 always click block. This time, for some reason, I didn't and instantly notifications started appearing, often three or four at a time, all of them with scammy offers. Once again, I plead in attention to details as my only defense. The alerts even included two scams labeled, Turn on your ad blocker. Perhaps you already suspect that at least I clicked exactly none of those offers. Although I really knew nothing had been installed on the computer, I did look at uninstall options and found exactly what I expected, nothing. There were no unexpected processes running on the computer, and there were no new entries in either the Start Menu's Startup folder or in the registry. The problem, obviously, was limited to the browser. That's good because it meant the fix would be relatively easy, but bad because it meant that deep cleaning the browser would eliminate information that I would then have to re-enter or recollect by visiting a website. Not a big deal exactly, but a big annoyance. Also, for the past few months I've been playing ChronoQuest each morning, and clearing the browser would eliminate information about my wins, game time, average, and winning streak. That was just sufficiently annoying that I wanted to find a way to fix it. The fact that it was a slow day helped in that regard. So I blew away Vivaldi's cache, internet history, cookies, session files, download information, temp files, and metrics. And then I compacted the Vivaldi database. When I opened the browser again, the DMV.com annoyances were gone, but so were files and data associated with a lot of other websites. I wanted that information back, and I've bragged about my backup system, but this is where I found the hole. And that's coming up next, along with the solution. Continuing the story, getting rid of the DMV.com annoyances took less than 15 minutes, but it left the browser with none of the information I wanted it to have. The bookmarks were still there, of course, along with extensions I use, but sites that I visit frequently no longer recognized me. 
Easy, you're probably thinking. He has lots of backups, no problem. Well, yes and no. I had the files, but they wouldn't be easy to restore. The data for the browser is stored on drive C, and that is the one drive I don't do a file system backup of. Instead, I make an image backup every Wednesday and every Sunday using two different disk drives. This ensures that I have the operating system fully backed up. Drive C also doesn't get backed up to the cloud-based backup system because CrashPlan is not designed to backup system and application files. It also isn't designed to download the operating system or applications even if I had managed to back them up to the cloud. I could back up data files from the C drive, but I don't even do that because the few data files that are on drive C are already backed up to Microsoft's OneDrive. The files I wanted were in percent local app data percent. That's a shortcut for C users, my username, app data, local. The files I needed to restore are a bit further down in the directory in local Vivaldi user data default. Although I believed restoring the files from backup would cause no problems, I did rename the default directory to default old, and I created a new default directory. To get the files back, I first needed to restore the Sunday disk image to a partition on another disk. Well, fortunately, I had such a disk lying around. It had previously been used for music files that I took with me to the office. But I haven't gone to an office for five years, and I had formatted the drive and named it Spare Disk so that I could use it if a need arose, as it had just done. The process of restoring the Windows partition image took more than four hours, but it didn't require my attention. It simply ran in the background while I was working on other things. The most recent image backup was from Sunday, and the day of stupidity was the following Tuesday, so I knew I would lose two days' worth of history from ChronoQuest. That's still better than losing all of the history. After the restoration process completed, I had a Windows partition on drive L that replicated the partition on drive C, but was two days old. So I drilled down to users, Willy, AppData, Local, Vivaldi, User Data Default on both drives, and then I copied the files from drive L to drive C. When I started the browser, all of the sites that I visit frequently recognized me, and what I really wanted, ChronoQuest had my historical data up to the previous Sunday, just two days ago. To fix this particular hole, in case I ever again accept notifications from a rogue site, I set up two automatic good sync processes that copy the contents of Vivaldi's default folder to my local backup drive every day at 7 a.m., one of the jobs runs Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, and the other one runs on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That's enough to provide time to recognize a problem and correct it before bad files overwrite good files. And if I don't notice the problem, I still have two weeks to find it and then use the option to restore the image from drive C. So the first rule to remember here is don't do something stupid. But that important rule has an even more important corollary. When you do something stupid, have a way to fix it. The first rule for 20 years ago, only on the TechBiter Worldwide website, is check it out. In 2002, sending and receiving email using a phone was a lot harder than it is today, but one company had an idea to make it easier.
Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>